has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Do you feel as though you just can't handle more advice on health, fitness, and weight loss? Many patients feel that exercise will make their pain worse or lead to more damage. On the contrary, exercise can have the opposite effect, especially for low back pain, and several studies show this benefit. There's even some evidence that exercise may reduce the risk of future back injuries. We're excited to have Mark Sisson join us today. He's a former triathlete and Ironman competitor who's made health and fitness his life's work. Mark's the author of The Primal Blueprint, and he blogs at Mark's Daily Apple. He's also an advocate for the Paleolithic diet, which some proponents argue might extend life. We'll get some practical suggestions on using fitness and diet to ease low back pain, arthritis, and irritable bowel syndrome. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, The Pain Community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Mark Sisson finished fourth in the 1982 Ironman World Championship. One of my favorite health and fitness soundbites comes from Mark. That is, focus on those activities that will lead to the least amount of pain, suffering, and sacrifice. Mark, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thanks for having me. It seems like you were interested in health and fitness at a pretty young age. Uh, did your parents inspire that? Yeah, my mother actually was, uh, she was very interested in health and reading all the books that were available at the mm-hmm. time and sort of, I got those as hand-me-downs. Um, I became a, uh, an Adele Davis uh, convert early on. I mean, literally from about the age of 11 or 12. Wow. And, um, you know, that sort of set the stage for my wanting to access the best possible health for the rest of my life. And Adele Davis was an author and nutritionist who was an advocate for unprocessed food and vitamin supplements. Mark, you had a spot for the 1980 U.S. Olympic marathon trials, but you didn't make it. What happened? Uh, Well, so my whole life from 75 until 1980 was geared around training for the Olympic trials, Mm -hmm. making making that event, qualifying for it, and then racing at it. And uh, by the time the, I, I did qualify several times, and by the time the actual event rolled around, um, I had become so badly beat up and injured uh, that, I, that I was unable to start the race. Wow. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. Now, that was the year that uh, Jimmy Carter also pulled the U.S. team from the Olympics anyway, so it was sort of a hollow um, event yeah. uh, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But Still, it was sort of it was really discouraging to have done all that work and then not be able to participate. Absolutely, extremely discouraging. 
Now, you had uh, some joint injuries, upper respiratory tract infections as well, I think. Oh, I had every. I had a lot of injuries, um, a lot of pains, a lot of aches and pains. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had osteoarthritis uh, in my feet. Uh, I had severe uh, tendonitis in my hips, probably from the biomechanical uh, effect of, of uh, overcoming the pain and the osteoarthritis in my feet. Yeah. Um, you know, I had uh, uh, back issues. I had uh, irritable bowel syndrome from my diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just, I literally was a wreck. Well, but you bounced back, and you've written several books on both diet and fitness. Tell us about your most recent one, The Primal Blueprint. So really, after I had to limp away from the sport of marathon uh, and kind of reevaluate my whole uh, life's mission, which was to access good health, I realized in my pursuit of good health, I'd gone down this rabbit hole of running a lot of miles and eating very highly inflammatory foods. I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. but um, uh, So I, I kind of rededicated myself to seeing how I could be strong and lean and fit and pain-free with with the least amount of pain and suffering and sacrifice possible. And, yeah. and that sort of, over the years, because I have a, a background in biology, I, I got a, a bachelor's degree in biology from Williams College, and I was pre-med, and I had always been reading about these things. So I, I, I embarked on a, a basically a 25-year mission of research to figure out what it was I'd done wrong and how I could fix myself. And, and the different modalities that I, that I came across became this life way that I call the primal blueprint. And what it does is it harnesses the best elements of modern genetic science. How do we turn on genes that, that uh, improve health and, and uh, build muscle and burn fat? How do we turn off the genes that cause us to be inflamed mm-hmm. and in pain? Mm-hmm. Um, and combine that with evolutionary biology, which was sort of giving us the clues as to how these genes were formed in the first place and why we possess these these genetic skills, if you will, these genetic switches, uh, and then create a, a, a pattern of how to eat, how to move, how to sleep in order to access um, a, a healthy, pain-free life. Mm-hmm. Well, indeed, you've been quite successful in doing that. Uh, tell us, how can we reprogram our genes for effortless weight loss, for example? Each of us possess this DNA recipe that wants to build a strong, lean, fit human mm-hmm. uh, from birth, and, and those genes are ready to turn on or off based on the signals that we give them, uh, from the foods we eat, from the uh, types of movement that we choose to do, from the amount of sleep we get, even from sun exposure. These genes turn on or off. And the idea is to, is to pick the certain types of food, which would be, in this case, uh, low sugar, uh, avoiding industrial seed oils, uh, avoiding processed carbohydrates, for instance, mm-hmm. in favor of those foods that we sort of evolved to, to, to thrive on, uh, meat, fish, fowl, eggs, nuts, seeds, vegetables, a little bit of fruit, and so on. And, and in that way, allow our genes to literally, because our genes, we do program them with the information. I mean, they're, they're sort of hardware. The genes are there. We can't change the genes, but we can change the information that we give the genes. And that's what we're doing with these choices that we make. Right. I mean, the food choices that we make influence how we think, feel, and behave. Coming up are Mark's secrets to health and fitness. We'll be back in less than a minute. Stay with us. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. 
Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. Welcome back to the show. Mark, some might say, well, you know, Mark Sisson can do all this in terms of health and fitness because he's a former triathlete and Ironman competitor. How can I possibly do it? I would argue that, that the way I trained set me up for a lifetime of ill health if I, if I continued down that same path. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people are slightly more inclined to get type 2 diabetes if they, if they eat the wrong things and don't move enough. Some people are slightly more inclined to have heart issues because of their family genes. But at the root of it all, we possess a set of human genes. We all burn fat the same way. We all build muscle the same way. We all address our moods the same way. It's just the degree to which we do this that varies among individuals based on family genes. So if we can understand that those aspects of our genes that make us human, we can make certain decisions, choices that manifest weight loss, for instance. If we want to lose weight, we can do that by decreasing the amount of sugars that we take in mm-hmm. and the amount of processed carbohydrates. We can increase the amount of, of uh, certain types of exercise we do, mm-hmm. and we can reduce stress because stress in a lot of people can cause us to continue to hold on to weight. Um, there are a lot of these these choices that we can make, each of which has an effect on genetic expression. And we don't want to get sort of caught up in, oh, well, I'm doomed to be overweight because both my parents are overweight. You might be doomed to be overweight because your parents taught you how to eat the wrong way. It might not have anything to do with your genes. It might just have to do with the choices. Very, very true. I want to pick up on your point related to stress because uh, there are several studies that have shown that chronic mental stress leads to heightened states of inflammation. And there's even more evidence that reveals that stress activates the defense system in the body. And this triggers the nervous system, which uses the motor system to escape or fight. It triggers the endocrine system, which triggers the stress response, the fight or flight response. And thirdly, it triggers the immune system, which sets up an inflammatory response to protect us against the threat. So having pain all the time, as in having chronic pain, really acts as a stressor that triggers this defense response. And that's why fitness or exercise and eating healthier anti-inflammatory foods are so important to incorporate into your life. Now, Mark, do you feel that fitness can delay the aging process? I mean, has it done so for you? sort of obvious answer that people would, would give you is, oh, sure, the more fit you are, the longer you'll live, and the more it will delay aging. And yet, in the crowd that I grew up with, the endurance community, I think nobody ages quicker than, a, than an endurance athlete who's not training the right mm-hmm. way. It's easy to put on way too many miles to eat far too many inflammatory foods that cause what we call um, advanced glycated end products, which really manifest themselves in you know, bad wrinkly skin and increased inflammation and hardening of the arteries and the joints. You know, you might take a step back and go, wait a minute, I thought exercise was good for you. Well, it is up to a point. Mm -hmm. And like almost all things in life, too much of a good thing can start to become a bad thing. And in the case of endurance athletes, the danger is you get so caught up in the endorphin rush, you know, the runner's high, um, that you, 
you say, well, more must be better, and you start training excessively. And the end result can be um, what I encountered, which was at the age of 28, I had arthritis, I had you know severe joint pain, I, I had um, tendonitis throughout my body, I had uh, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, you know, I had gastroesophageal reflux mm-hmm. disease. It was, it was crazy because yeah. I was pursuing this fitness goal thinking it was going to enhance my health. Sure. I mean, you along with others, I think, suffer from many overuse injuries due to excessive training. You mentioned earlier, Mark, advanced glycation end products. Let me explain what those are. Uh, They're carbohydrates that attach to proteins, and this makes cells stiffer and more susceptible to damage and premature aging. Uh, Smoking cigarettes, for example, or fried or roasted foods can all promote the formation of these end products. It seems like fitness has actually delayed the aging process for you. What else? Yeah, so once I I dialed it back a little bit, Mm -hmm. and I said, okay, what is it? You know, again, what's the least amount of pain and suffering and sacrifice that I can go through to achieve what I want, which is good health? How can I enjoy my life minute to minute? Well, absolutely. I mean, I completely agree and like that idea. Mark has a favorite soundbite. And after the break, we'll find out what it is. Please stay tuned. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org. For information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Welcome back. Mark, you have a favorite soundbite about leading a fit and healthy life that directs us toward the least amount of pain, suffering, and sacrifice. I mean, that seems ideal, but is it possible? Of course. That's the great irony of, of modern times. You know, we think that we have to work hard. You know, no pain, no gain mm-hmm. became the big mantra of the 70s and 80s. You know, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs and whatever <laughs> other cliches they use. Like, I want to enjoy every bite of food I ever eat. So I don't choke down a kale salad just because somebody said kale is the healthiest vegetable you can eat. I'm not particularly fond of kale. And unless you've really doused it with some, you know, healthy sauces and dressings, I'm probably not interested in it. I'd rather, there's something else I'd rather eat because I made it a point to enjoy every bite of food I eat. Mm -hmm. But every bite of food I eat is still good for me. I just choose from a list of very healthy, tasteful, tasty, healthful foods, and I avoid this other list that contains the sort of offensive, inflammatory ingredients that we know we should all stay away from. If you make a choice that doesn't serve you well, a couple of bites of chocolate cake or some ice cream, whatever, um, if it gave you enough pleasure in the short term that those bites were satisfying and, and enjoyable, then no harm, no foul. Go about the rest of your life, the rest of the day with comp- you know, no guilt whatsoever. Uh, just don't make that you know, your lifestyle. Well, absolutely. I mean, the struggle, I think, for many is that those highly processed sugared foods, for example, are very pleasurable, and it's hard to minimize them and focus on the anti-inflammatory, healthier foods. Mark, now let's drill down into some specifics. You know, many patients of mine feel that exercise will make their pain worse or lead to further damage. Mostly, though, exercise can have the opposite effect, especially for low back pain. It can improve pain and function even as we age, and several studies show this. How can we motivate patients in pain to exercise? Well, I think the most important thing is to find 
ways to move that are fun. I used to struggle and suffer. I mean, I, I you know, I, I was a runner, so I would go out and run 100 miles a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd run 15 miles one day, be beat up, and go to bed thinking, oh, great, I got to go up and run, I got to get up and run 20 tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, with no days off. Yeah. That's just, you know, no way to live one's life. So I try to find ways now to move. And this isn't about burning calories, and particularly with regard to pain. It's not about burning calories. It's just about going through the ranges of motion. So how can I go through ranges of motion, whether it's walking or hiking? In my case, I love to get out on, on, a, on a stand-up paddleboard, and I paddle for an hour mm-hmm. or two. And at no point during that uh, session do, am I ever thinking, oh, my God, when's it going to be over? Yeah. If anything, I'm thinking, oh, darn, it's going to be over in 20 minutes, and I've got to get back to, you know, to work. So I, I try to find activities that are pleasurable. It could be walking my dog and throwing a ball. So I think people assume that exercise means I have to sweat, I have to hurt, there has to be pain. That's not necessarily the case, particularly when you're trying to address pain management. In my case, I think it's just mostly about going through the greatest possible ranges of motion. There's some fun yoga classes. You know, they've got great music, you know, wonderful people. Mm-hmm. You know, find a Tai Chi class outdoors or something, and, but make it an experience that you look forward to, not one that you dread. Mm-hmm. So make it pleasurable and don't worry about burning calories. It's also important to focus on exercises that strengthen or stabilize the spine for pain reduction, injury prevention, and improving posture and body mechanics. And the evidence is stronger for chronic low back pain than it is for acute low back pain, and it may even help with returning to work. Mark, how do you help clients of yours who are in pain overcome that extreme fear that movement, exercise, or fitness will worsen their pain? It's very rare that exercise, at least, you know, in, in a appropriate exercise and minimal exercise, would ever make pain worse. It's almost universal that some amount of, of, of increased range of motion uh, causes pain to subside. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just, and I've seen it over 30 years of working with clients and friends and and, and athletes who are in pain, that um, for every uh, joint pain that you are perceiving, there is a range of motion and some form of exercise that will make it better. And I hope a lot of people hear that point exactly. Exercise for low back pain? Coming up next, you won't want to miss it. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. If you've just joined us, we're here with Mark Sisson, health and fitness expert. Mark, what kind of success have you seen with fitness strategies in your clients who have low back pain? And by the way, we even have some evidence that exercise may reduce the risk of future back injuries. It starts with weight loss. So a lot of people have low back pain or who have uh, knee pain, hip pain, joint pain, particularly lower body pain, um, you know, they're carrying around a 50-pound backpack all the time. Mm -hmm. So the weight loss, which happens naturally as a result of adjusting the diet, first of all, the inflammation goes down because the inflammatory foods are being removed. Those offending the sugars, the grains, sometimes legumes, 
When you get rid of those, the inflammation subsides. One of the first things that happens is you lose a lot of water weight because when your body is systemically inflamed, it's holding on to water. That's why you see people like on the Biggest Loser might lose 25 pounds the first week. It's all water. It's all from removing the offensive inflammatory foods. So you remove the inflammation points there, the trigger points. <clears throat> you, you remove the weight that's, that's adding uh, stress on all of the joints. Yeah. And then you start getting range of motion back. Then little tricks of the trade, like for lower back pain, I love to have people go barefoot around the house. That's one of these little kind of things that people don't think about, but walking barefoot and getting used to walking barefoot can alleviate lower back pain because, because of some connection with having shortened the Achilles because you've weren't been wearing uh, supportive shoes your whole life and you've been re- relying on those and the small muscles of your feet have atrophied because you've got this amazing arch support in your feet, which takes all the work away from your, the, of the muscles in your arch to have to create this, this wonderful natural arch. There are so many little things that happen as a result of adopting this primal blueprint. Let's now talk about the costs of low back pain. I mean, they're astronomical, up to $200 billion a year alone. Uh, Many patients turn to pharmaceuticals, and I've certainly seen success with certain types of injections as well as physical therapy. What kind of healthy choices do you recommend for back pain? Putting your body through as many planes of motion and ranges of motion as you can whether or not you're even sweating, this could just be moving around throughout the day, um, is sort of step number one. And, and the caveat is do that without incurring any pain. Mm-hmm. In other words, if it's painful to move, then, then, then don't do that. You know, find something that you can do. Um, another sort of major thing that I've done with my company is all my employees have stand-up desks at work. And we found that sitting uh, at work is a major, if not a cause of back pain, then a major preventative from, from alleviating. Mm-hmm. They actually have treadmills at their desk. Now, they don't run. They just walk <laughs> uh, gently. And a lot of them have reported that just walking uh, one and a half miles an hour, 1.2 miles an hour easily while they're working um, uh, allows them to kind of regain that balance that allows the, the back pain to subside. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of um, specific posterior chain work myself, mm-hmm. uh, a new program called Foundation Training that uh, some friends of mine have put together. There, a lot of people that just have a front back imbalance. You know, they're they're sort of everything they're doing is geared toward pulling all the muscles toward the front of the body. Whether they're hunched over working on a, you know tweeting on a, on a cell phone or working at a at a desk, the shoulders tend to go forward. And so there's some work that you can do that moves the posterior chain a little bit on the backside mm-hmm. so that you strengthen all those stabilizer muscles. Some very easy stuff that you can access Google Foundation Training. I like all three of those suggestions. Mark, many of my patients hurt when they move. So they stop moving and certainly stop exercising. And and this actually is supported by research. But the less you exercise, the more deconditioned you become. And then when you do move, it hurts even more. So how would you help my patients overcome this obstacle? You know, that's a vicious downward spiral because you need to move to not have pain, but it, it, but if you have pain, you're inclined not to move. Right. Uh, you know that's where sometimes people who take uh, some of the nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories in the short term, uh, you know, might might do so prophylactically. They might do so before a workout, mm-hmm. and uh, and then be able to to get through a workout and certainly have a workout that that is well thought out or is guided by a trainer who can put you through the appropriate ranges of motion. By the same token, I also think that, as I said, removing some of the offensive foods that are causing inflammation in the first place, 
my osteoarthritis, which I thought was going to be with me the rest of my life, went away when I gave up praying. Mm. Literally went away. Wow. And I, by then, I developed arthritis in my fingers from the same offensive nutrients that I was eating in the grain. Mm-hmm. I really look at that. And guess what? Exercise can prevent pain, especially low back pain, and that's supported by the literature. And not only that, but one study even showed that poor health and obesity increased the risk of low back pain, not physical activity. Mark, it was great having you on the show today. It's my pleasure, Paul. We'll get even more practical suggestions on using fitness and diet to ease pain on part two. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.